3: We do a podcast. What the fuck? I am Akuma, the one who has mastered the fist, and this is Fanholes, the podcast that has been consumed by the Satsui no Hado. Now, fade to nothingness. Your weakness disgusts me. Setsu- Asshole. Yeah!
1: awesome listeners this is fan holes podcast and tonight uh, we're going to be doing a format of a show that that you may uh, have become familiar with uh, that we'd like to do it's called the fan holes dare and tonight uh, we're going to be doing a comics dare now normally i guess what we what we used to do was we kind of announced what the dare was on the previous show but since we're kind of shuffling all these different shows around and you know we we kind of want to be put in that position we're just going to tell you what our dares were um and who assigned who what to read and uh, we're doing a comic dare so we're going to be doing different, different comics, comics and stuff and uh yeah so this is Derek Derek WC I'm your host for tonight and then uh joining me tonight are three of my fellow fan holes why don't you sound off for the listeners at home guys
3: hey this is Brian Breakdown is Mike Thunderwing just do good luck
1: so yeah, so basically we're doing a we're doing a comic book dare, and then uh, I guess uh, I'll just go down the skype tree that I have in front of me, and everybody'll just say what the what, basically what what they've assigned the other person to read, and then we'll discuss that for a little bit and then move on to the next person, so uh, I guess to to start out with. Um I'm gonna go with uh with Mike and then Mike, why don't you tell us uh who your uh you know victim was and, and what you assigned them to read.
3: Well, you were my victim, Derek. <laughs> and <laughs> <le> gasp! <laughs> totally unexpected, right? right? Yeah, I didn't know. But, I didn't know. Okay. But I assigned you to read uh Ryu Final, which is a manga uh about Ryu from Street Fighter as he I guess it's sorta of like Ryu the End if you wanna go by like Marvel terms or whatever, but and it's also I guess sort of like an adaptation of like Street Fighter Three's storyline, but you know, I, I really enjoyed it and you know uh I know you you've got some uh fondness for like Ryu and stuff, so I figured you'd enjoy it too. Yeah, so. yeah, I had
1: never I had never heard of this, so so I was kind of excited, um you know, I got I got a couple copies of the manga off eBay, like in a bundle. Or I guess you know they sold both of them, so I just grabbed those. And then uh, and then I read those last night, so it's pretty fresh in my mind and everything. Um, yeah, I love uh, I love Ryu Ken. Like I like yeah I like Ryu. I think he's cool. He's he's probably one of my favorite characters to play in the you know the series of video games and everything. But I also like usually watching stuff with the character. Uh, this is by uh, let's see if I can do this right. This is by uh, Masahiko Nakahira, who uh, who did I guess the art and the story on this. Um, and it sounds like he's done other other manga and stuff for Capcom before, and that maybe they've you know sort of used some of his ideas in the video games and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's like the last reuse story or something like that. Like that's kind of the vibe. It. It has. um, Some of the other things it reminded me of, because I guess Ryu is kind of, I guess the basic premise is Ryu is looking for, you know, I guess that, because basically I guess it starts out with he he reunites with Ken, and Ken kicks his ass. And it's like, why does Ken kick his ass? Because he's become a true martial artist. And why has Ken become a true martial artist? It's because he's got Eliza, and then his little kid, I think, whose name is... Mel?
3: Mel. Right? Yeah. And
1: so, so, so since he has a family, it's kind of like he learns all about like Spider Man round the two power, basically, or Spider Man Aunt, <laughs> Aunt Mary Jane power, or whatever you want to call it, you know, like Superman, like this is for Lois, or, you know, what, whatever it is, he, he learns about the power of you know, fighting for somebody you care about, basically. And that's why he's able to best Ryu in this match so easily. And so then by that point, that kind of sets Ryu on this quest to sort of find out what his, you know, what what it is that he is going to fight for and, and you know, what what is his path to becoming a true martial artist. And then, you know, in the background looming over the whole thing, like in a lot of different, uh, I guess, fictional accounts of the Street Fighter universe, you know, Akuma's always sort of looming in the background. Like, one day you will fight Akuma. One day Akuma and him will have a match together, and this and that and the other thing. Um, and so as he goes along, he 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 meets, like, an old master that's kind of like... I don't know, it's weird. I, I kind of kept thinking of him as the emperor, even though he was a good master. Like, it, it, I think... I'm trying... I don't remember what his name was, but he's, like, this little old
3: dude. Oro. Oro,
1: yeah, yeah. So he kind of reminded, reminded me of... You. A little bit Master Roshi, but, uh, you know, uh, also a little bit Emperor for some reason, because I think the way they translated his dialogue was because he was always calling Ryu, you know, he's like, my young apprentice. I couldn't, I I couldn't read that without thinking of it in that voice for some reason. And I know he's like just a Master Roshi kind of nice guy where he's like, oh yeah, you know, put this big boulder on your back and we're going to do some training. And I like pizza and hot chicks and this and that and the other thing. But, you know, I, uh, I I kept thinking of, you know, every time I read that, he's like, he's like, come on, Goku, let's go up the hill, my young apprentice. You know, (laughs) stuff like that. But, um, you know he he fights like uh, a couple different people, um, and and they're all cool characters. I think they're more final fight characters because I wasn't I wasn't as familiar with all of them. Like the only person who stood out to me right away because of I guess he he her his infamy was uh, was poison. You know, and I think poison shows up as like sort of like a uh, the manager of this guy Hugo, I guess. And, yeah, and,
3: Hugo's from Final Fight, but uh, most of the characters are from Street Fighter Three. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: So, so basically, I guess Poison is is the manager for for Hugo, and Hugo kind of reminded me of at least the way it was done in that that manga. It, it reminded me a lot of either uh, like Riccio or uh, or Fist of the North Star. Like it, he seemed like one of those stock characters where he's like, you know. Basically, like, he's got Rob Liefeld proportions, but, you know, obviously he's, he's he, you know, he's drawn, you know, basically, you know, he, 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 it's not like he's got thunder thighs and a tiny head and he's not, he, he's anatomically correct, but he's just this huge, gigantic, dude who fits in the back of like a truck or something like that's how big he's supposed to be and so when he comes out it's supposed to be like oh crap because Ryu's like you know the size of a pencil kind of like you know when Todd McFarlane would draw you know the cosmic spider-man standing next to the gray hulk and they're about to fight and he punches him into space like how kind of tiny spider-man is compared to the gray hulk it's kind of the same thing like this kind of and and I just noticed it was kind of like a, it seemed like a, a manga trope, you know, like this huge, gigantic guy who's, you know, ripping trees up out of their roots and attacking Ryu and all that kind of stuff like that. And so that kind of reminded me a lot of, like, the characters in Fist of the North Star when Ken would fight some dude and he'd be, like, you know, 20 feet tall and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously, you know, Ryu brings out, I guess, the best in people. And that, I guess, I guess that is what becomes his, his... Fighting power, you know, the path that leads him to a true martial artist. He encounters all these different characters, and, you know, the idea is every time Ryu gets into a fight with someone, they themselves improve whether they win or lose. You know, it it basically brings out the best. In their fighting ability, so whether it's you know poison or Hugo, and then he meets these two Chinese brothers that have these different fighting styles. The one guy has like a hat, and the other, I you know, I'm like I'm probably doing bad because I don't I didn't really take much notes because I just wrote it last night, but I don't really remember their names and stuff.
3: Uh, Yun and Yang. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So so you, you've got Yun and Yang, and they he fights those two guys, and then uh, eventually he he kind of reunites with Sagat in uh, in Thailand, and they go into like more of Sagat's backstory and everything and sort of, you know, how he came to be, you know, uh, you know, basically how the original fight between them went down and then sort of what happened after he was first wounded by Ryu after, I guess, the first street fighter, like, and they, they kind of go into how he, you know, basically his people see him as, you know, this great emperor, this great leader, you know, kind of, to me, it seemed like he's, you know, kind of the Doctor Doom of of Thailand. You know what I mean? Like of of his nation. You know where where he. The, a lot of the people there have great respect for him, and he goes and like you know saves some little boy and little girl and stuff like that, and beats the shit out of these uh, you know guys that are uh, poaching tigers and stuff like that. And you know he's catching bullets in his hand and doing all this cool kind of you know mumbo jumbo mystic kung fu you know Muay Thai bullshit you know which you know, makes him like super awesome and everything and and him and ryu reunite um i think uh, at this point i was getting into it a lot like i liked all the different uh you know fights and everything like those were very engrossing and stuff and, and you're kind of on the edge of your seat like you're like oh shit what's gonna happen um so, some of it got a little confused in terms of of You know, I don't know if it's the way I read manga or if it's just the style, the way things are displayed, but sometimes I feel like it would be more clear in an anime or maybe more clear, you know, in a more linear Western way of doing things, because sometimes you'll have like, you know, to me, like, I think that... I, I would find myself rereading segments where I would I would get really, really engrossed in it, and I'd really want to turn the pages fast because that's how manga is written, where you like, you know, oh, what happens next? What happens next? And, and it's just designed that way. But then it would get to a point where I would sort of get confused, like where Ryu and, and Sagat would both be coming at each other, and their fists would both be, you know, about to pound into each other, and it was this cool splash page. And then I'd turn the page and I'd kind of go, huh, what? What was the result of that? Like, I didn't quite understand, you know, it's like, oh, then the next shot, like, Ryu's just hanging in a smashed wall. So I'm like, did 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 he kick his ass? Like, I guess Sagat kicked Ryu's ass. But then what it turns out is it's like, yeah, Sagat punched Ryu through this wall, but Ryu learned this new fighting technique, which, you know, is like, the, you know, he talks to trees and he can you know, punch, like, you know, without actually punching anybody and has this sort of wind fist move. And so I guess based on, you know, it's like everything happened so fast that you don't know, but it's like, oh, he re-wounded Sagat's old scar, you know, and so, uh,
3: you know, basically
1: it's kind of like they both, I I guess the the thematically or symbolically, the the way I took it was, oh, they're both kind of equals now, you know, they both kind of, you know, you know, they both punched each other and the windows broke all around them and they're both badass. And, you know, I guess they came to some kind of understanding and it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, so God's kind of like, I know you got to go off and fight Akuma, but, you know, make sure you come back and fight me someday. And, you know, we're all, we're all good in the hood and that kind of thing. And (laughs) no, but this time, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to come to Thailand. Like, I'm going to come find you and, and, and challenge you to a fight eventually, you know, and, and that's kind of how they leave things you know, I guess it's 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 a semi resolved, you know, some of the issues between those two characters, I think, you know, which is kind of why I guess it's looked at as a final, you know, a final story or, you know, the last Ryu story or that kind of thing like that. Um, he, he fights this cool who's the boxing dude?
3: Dudley. I love Dudley. He's, like, one of my favorite guys, like, ever from Street Fighter.
1: It kind of reminded me of, uh, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard about it a little bit, where they talk about, like, Bruce Lee's mentor and how, you know, I guess the movie was called, like, Ip Man or whatever. And I know at some point he fights, like, a a boxer and gets his ass kicked or whatever, or at least that's what I heard. And it kind of reminded me of that, where it's, like, Ryu's kind of like this badass you know, uh, martial artist and everything, and this guy Dudley, his martial art is boxing, but he's obviously very, very strong. And you know, it, it does have that that anime Naruto feel of you know, it's like Ryu's awesome, and then he gets the shit kicked out of him, and then he kind of makes a comeback. You know, and so with the fight with Dudley, it was very much like that, where you know Dudley basically,
3: you know, he really
1: you know can't lay a finger on the guy, and he just gets the crap kicked out of him, and then uh, and then when Ryu kind of. You know, is communing with this, uh, you know, this tree. I guess you know he's trying to get into the mystic thing because I guess his master, you know, uh, Gokin, you know, told him about you know you got to wait for the leaves to fall and you got to know what's going on in your environment and all this kind of stuff. And so he, he he has this weird blue cupcake thing where he talks to the tree and the tree's like this little Indian girl, but it's not really the tree and all this kind of, basically by the end of it, it's like, okay, I got a new super move and it's wind fist, you know? And so, you know, the whole thing is the, the boxing guy is like, Oh, well my, my super attack, you know, can go like a hundred yards and and reuse super attack can only go 90 yards. So like, I, I'm totally going to own him. But then he's like, but I didn't think about it is when his fist meets my fist, then, you know, You know, basically...
3: Oh, yeah, it's like I didn't think he was going to aim for my fist. I thought he was going to aim for my face, yeah. Yeah. so he
1: didn't take that into account into his mathematical calculations or whatever. And so basically, like, Ryu basically, you know, pretty much, like, cracks open his whole fucking arm or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... You know, my my intent was not to mortally wound you in your fucking arm and cripple you for life. Like, I just wanted to... uh, you know, try out this new move or whatever, you know, and, he, and Dudley, I guess, is, like, I guess he's resilient, because he's like, no, no, that's cool, dude, like, this was awesome, like, we had a good fight and stuff.
3: <laughs> it's funny, like, Dudley in the video games, he speaks with, like, a British accent, so he, I, like, I always like reading his lines like that, where he probably was like, you know, that's all right, old bean, you know, <laughs> it was totally fine that you totally, like, you know, ripped my arm to shreds or whatever, you know. You talk, old chap, we'll fight yeah.
1: again someday. I also,
3: like, that that the, Dudley's entrance into that story always makes me crack up. Where like Oro's like kind of talking and t- telling like Ryu you, like mind your environment and stuff. And he's like, for example, like two take two like two steps forward, and then like Dudley's car crashes like right behind him. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that see that was an example of me where where I I was reading it and I was reading it really quickly because I was kind of engrossed in the scenario. But when the when he crashes his car, like there was a part of me that was like what the fuck just happened? Like, okay, guy crashed the car and I'm like, but is that the same guy that, like, I almost didn't, I was like, Dudley crashed his car but then he leaps out of his car like he's A-OK and to me, I guess I didn't understand like, oh, he's one of the Street Fighter guys so, you know, he's got this kind of aura of, you know invulnerability but to me i was like i thought it was just some dude who crashed his car so i'm like that can't be the same dude who's leaping out like everything's okay and i was like oh i guess it is you know so you know that was like one of those bits where i kind of went back and reread like two or three pages just to make sure i was on the same page as
3: and I, I i like they're they're like were you driving that car with your boxing gloves on and he was like well i have to you know people might challenge me to a fight so i have to wear these boxing gloves everywhere
1: He's, uh, and i was like ryu's like uh that that's kind of foolish and then that's kind of like uh, you should talk sir you know and he's looking down at his own gloves and he's like yeah but i just walk around and shit i'm not driving a car but um but yeah like i mean basically uh, you know they they go through all these different matches and everything and eventually it does lead to uh to uh, a big final showdown with akuma and and this was nice for me too because i remember being very disappointed you know, watching, uh, you know, OVAs like uh, Street Fighter Alpha. And uh, I don't know what the other one is, but both of them, I I thought, you know, I think the way they they sold them, you know, at least to me, it was like, oh, sweet. Like, Ryu's on the cover of this DVD, and Akuma's on the cover of this DVD. This is going to be
0: badass.
1: And then, like, you watch it, and it's just about, like, a little kid and robots and (laughs) cyborg. Ninja guys, or whatever the fuck it was, and at the end of it, it's like Akuma's like, Hey, I'm Akuma. And Ryu's like, Okay, let's fight. And then they like do a freeze frame, you know, Butch and Sundance frame of them about to fight. And I'm like, What? Like, I don't even get to see the fight? Like, fuck you, DVD. You know? And uh, in this case, I was kind of like, It better not be like that. It be- I better not get to the end of the fucking thing and-, and-, and they're just about to fight and then they cut away from it or some shit what's fight to the death nothing left but uh in this case like there is uh you know a legitimate kind of showdown between the two characters i i'd say like again you know at the end of it it's it's a little you know without spoiling everything that goes down it's a little ambiguous i think you know but but it's it, i i guess it's kind of clear i mean you know ryu obviously uh you know succeeds um you know and becomes part of the upper echelon you know he becomes a true martial arts master and all that kind of stuff and then uh, i guess if you hadn't told me about alex i probably would have been like huh who's this dude like at the end of the at the end of the book, but I think one time you mentioned to me, like, I think you said, you know, Oh, Alex is kind of like the Rodimus prime of, uh, yeah. Of I was like, you probably fighters, get a kick you know? out of Alex, like yeah. that character. And I remember you saying that to me and I, I, I was reading the names and I'm like, Oh, that's who this dude is. You know? So like, I was kind of like, and, and then I read some interesting articles later where they were like, I don't, I don't know how much of this has come to fruition or not. Um, but it was, like, an old article from, like, 2008 where the guy was kind of, like, saying, you know, they should just make, like, you know, Ryu and Ken, like, the bosses in a Street Fighter game, you know, and not playable or, like, not, you know, unless you unlock them or something like that. And I, I, I went, oh, that's kind of, like, a weird take on it, but that's kind of interesting because I guess his thing was, you know, they've been, you know, they, they are upper echelon now. Like, they don't have to go train and do all this other stuff that they used to in the old days and stuff, and so I was kind of like, oh, I I could see how that kind of ties into this manga, you know, where it's like, you know, at the end of it, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, what's Alex there to do to have a fight with Ryu, you know, and and test himself, you know, and maybe bring out his true martial artist nature and stuff like that, so... But, yeah, I mean, I, I totally, I was definitely engrossed in it. Like I said, there there were a couple bits where I would get a little confused and have to kind of go back and reread several pages. But, I mean, I, I thought it was really fun, and I, I love the character. So I thank you for recommending it, and I, I definitely enjoyed it, Mike.
3: You know, I'm glad, like, uh, what do you call it? I'm glad, like, uh, I, I felt bad that, like, I was, like, you know, I, I'm going to have to make you spend money for this or whatever because you didn't have it, but I'm glad, like, you really liked it. Yeah, so. no, it's totally, it's awesome. I liked it. Like, I, I like, have... Sagat, I was going to say, Sagat is, like, my favorite Street Fighter character, so I was, like, really happy to see him show up, and, and Ryu's, like, up there, too, so I was really happy to, like, see everyone get really good, like, representation and stuff, so.
1: Yeah, well, it definitely seemed, it was cool to, to see, Because I, I don't think I've seen very much Street Fighter um, uh, material where I, I saw something from the perspective of, I guess, the, the bad guys or the bosses. Like, I, I don't think I've ever thought of Sagat as a, a you know, I, I don't think I've ever really saw him as the Doctor Doom type guy, you know, where you kind of respect him, you kind of see where he's coming from, you kind of, you know, and I, I thought it was cool to see him in his own environment and everything. That was a nice little bit that that day.
3: Capcom's been, like, over the years, like, Sagat was, like, the boss of Street Fighter 1 and stuff, and then, like, from Street Fighter 2 on, he's, like, one of the four, you know, bosses under Bison or whatever. But, like, over the years, Capcom has, like, kind of slowly, like, retconned him into being, like, not such a bad guy, pretty much, like, where, you know, he's more in it for an actual fight than being, like, Bison's lackey or whatever, so, you know... It's it's always, like, sad when I see, like, the old, like, U.S. cartoon or, like, the movie where Sagat's just some, like, terrorist or something. Yeah, yeah. So. No,
1: that that's kind of what I'm getting at, where, you know, he, he just seems like a very one-note character in a lot of those pieces, whereas here he he seemed very developed, you know, and, and had a, you know, a good sense of character and, you know, some kind of world outside of what I had seen before. Um, I, I was just going to ask, like, at the, at the end of the book, they have a bunch of ads for, like, different stuff. And some of the stuff I recognized, like, the old, like, Dreamwave Udon comics and stuff like that that they had trades of. But is Street Fighter Alpha, like, a totally separate manga? Because they had, like, something with, like, Ryu's face on the cover
3: and Bison's face yeah, on the cover? Yeah, there, there's, there's another two-volume manga by, I think, the same guy, too. Same guy, too, right? Yeah, okay. Alpha. It's It's not as good as like final is, but it's it's not too bad. Okay. I was He's, just like curious because yeah. I, I thought maybe since I like
1: this so much I might I might check that out too.
3: He gets like he basically he gets to fight bison in that. Like it's more like based on like the like Street Fighter two or Street Fighter Alpha okay. storyline okay. and stuff. So
1: Cool. Alright. Um I guess uh we'll we'll keep moving along and go on to the next uh, <laughs> the next level of this. So uh I guess my victim um was Brian. And uh, what, what I had Brian read was the uh, Justice League of America run that was uh, written by James Robinson. Uh, the main reason why I recommended it is I'd say uh, the first, I don't know, 12 or 15 issues, the art was done by uh, Mark Bagley. And I know that Brian is a big fan of his work, you know, since New Warriors and Ultimate Spider-Man, different things like that. And so I just thought, hey, you know, this would be a great way to, you know, maybe introduce him to, uh, uh, you know, a big level DC book like uh, Justice League of America with uh, lots of history, you know, from Robinson. You know, I know it's kind of like a crash course in history because he throws in all kinds of dudes, like little cameos and, and stuff like that. And it's the kind of stuff that I really dig, but I thought it might be cool for him to, to check that out and see if he liked it and, you know, hear his thoughts on it. So uh, so I don't know. Uh, how far did you end up getting? Like, what did, you, what did you end up reading, Brian? I think you
2: gave me like 20 or so issues, maybe 22 issues or whatever, but I got about like 11 in. Like, I'm not quite to issue 50. I'm still actually reading Whoa, it today. Okay. Yeah. Um, has that James Robinson guy written anything else that I might know of?
1: Yeah, I mean he uh well he wrote he wrote Cry for Justice, which Linkara hates, so there's that. <laughs> um but the the stuff that he's I I'd say the stuff that he's really well known for and, and maybe Justin can back me up if I
0: Starman.
1: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, Starman. Uh he wrote the nineties Starman, which is basically that that's kinda like I I would say that people hold that to the same level as like things like Sandman from Gaiman or, you know, Miller's Dark Knight, or, you know, basically, like, it, it was a huge deal at the time, and I think it's still a, a really good book that holds up today. You know, that's about 80 issues or so. It, it was one of those things where that character, that Starman, that Jack Knight Starman, um, you know, once they finished that run, they really didn't use that character anymore, and not because, you know, it, it was basically the kind of like he was, held in such high esteem, you know, that run. And right. these character. they just, they said, oh, he's great. Like, we're just going to leave this guy alone kind of thing. Kind of like what they did with Animal Man for a little while. But, you know, I guess eventually they, they brought him back. But um,
2: So is the Starman in, like, this JLA stuff I'm reading, a different dude?
1: He is a different dude. Uh, he is in that run. Um, I guess one of the things that they did in that run was they had um, – you know he basically explored all the different versions of starman you know back to the you know uh, you know the idea was this was the son of the golden age starman and he had two sons and so uh, i guess the the original son you know the the, the elder son was going to be starman you know the the modern day starman just like the golden age one you know and inha- you know basically inherited the mantle and he ends up getting killed and so you know kind of the, the the basic concept of that was his kind of you know "Quote unquote slacker son, hipster son, you know who doesn't want anything to do with superheroes, kind of gets saddled with that mantle and how he deals mm-hmm. with everything. Um, you is know that why he I,
2: refuses to wear a costume and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, basically. I mean, he's kind of like what tights? Like I'm, I don't, I'm not. Into that, right? You know, like I'm just going <laughs> to do blue my, my and
2: I my kick ass. That's enough costume for me.
1: Yeah, and so so that that Starman, the the one that you were reading about, uh, basically is." Uh, He's a star man from the 70s. Like he had like a one-off shot story where he kind of had this goofy like 70s pantsuit and
0: like totally disco.
1: He was yeah he was he was very like kind of groovy looking dude yeah. you know with like, the open chest hair or what I I forget exactly. <laughs> How it went. But like, if you if you ever read that issue, like I could I could show it to you like he he's pretty goofball looking and stuff. But it, it, it basically that that's kind of what I think Robinson's talent is, is like he loves like history and comics and things like that. So he'll take like something obscure like that and he'll keep delving into it until, you know, like it's basically he made that character, uh, Mikhail Thomas, like an essential part of the original Starman book, you know, even though he wasn't the main character. And then, you know, he ended up going back to that character when it came time to do his run on uh, Justice League. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I would point to that. The, the other big book I would say that, that he's probably most well known for is uh, an Elseworlds called The Golden Age. It's a four issue miniseries that features uh, the Justice Society of America. And that's, that's held in pretty high regard. I mean, those are the two things that immediately come to my mind. I mean, you know, you could always look him up and see, like, what different things he's worked on in the past. I mean, I know we we did a Terminator podcast, and he had done, you know, some of the old Dark Horse Terminator comics. Like, he's done, you know, he he, he took over for Rob Liefeld after, you know, that crappy Captain America thing. You know, like, you know, so it's like he's had some good things and some bad things, you know, and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But, I mean, for the most part, like, most of the stuff that I read of his, like, I usually really... Really enjoy so you know I, I I just I did enjoy the hell out of this run so you know is this I, pretty
2: much his biggest gig thus far?
1: Um, I mean, I would say like, like, I think he's written like you know he's had runs on Superman before. Do you know what oh, I mean? Okay. So it's like I mean he he wrote you, you know how I like uh, you know Monel or Valor or whatever like like mm-hmm. that run like you know how he I, I don't know how far I, I forget where he shows up in terms of the justice league, but I know he shows up for a little bit and he was writing uh Superman at the time. So he wrote Superman and then, and then when they did the whole world of Krypton thing uh, you know, he had uh Mon-El stand in for him in the Superman title and he still was writing Superman at that point. So like, you know, he he's, he's done a lot of uh, you know, different work, whether it's for, you know, Marvel or DC or, or whoever. So,
2: yeah, I guess I just never heard of him, so I wasn't sure how popular he was or any of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you don't really get a whole lot of opportunity to read many DC books, but I do enjoy my forays into DC when I get them. So I was um, pretty excited that you recommended this book to me. And um, I think it was a little bit difficult because I'm, like, you know, somewhat familiar with DC stuff, so. But I mean this book had like you said like a lot of like minor cameos and like people I had like no clue who they were. And um like it seemed like there was a lot going on and I imagine that like JLA is a book that ties into a lot of other comics too, especially for some of these huge events. So like to start off the bat, like the team was in transition and yeah. Yeah. which was actually pretty good because the team that was there breaking up I like had almost no familiarity with so to go back to like mainstays like batman and stuff getting them on the team I actually like that and then like to i think i did miss a lot because it seemed like the story jumped around a lot and things were happening like where i couldn't tell like you know what was going on at times um because it started out with like um all the zombie um black yeah, lantern yeah you know? i guess
1: you start yeah the run starts in the middle of blackest night so i guess oh. that that yeah that that yeah. that league that was there, you know. It was like Black Canary and Vixen were kind of leading that particular league. So I guess mm-hmm. you know when when Brian starts reading it, it's uh, you know basically it's stuff I think is cool because it's like the that what what he calls the Motor City you know league, but basically like the you know how like you like reading Justice League International, Brian, like the league yeah. that was right before the league that you kind of probably are most familiar with, like that league, they usually call like uh, on the internet, like justice league Detroit. And so Mm -hmm. basically it's because the justice league operated out of that city. And it was guys like vibe and steel and Vixen and gypsy. And so that's why that those characters that you're not familiar with. It's like the idea was, you know, in black is night, most of the tie-ins, it would be, you know, some living character, like say, I don't know, uh, you know, whoever, like, Green Lantern, you know, and then all of a sudden Aquaman's dead, so they bring back Aquaman as a Blackest Night guy, you know, as kind mm-hmm. of a zombified guy or whatever. And in this case, you know, at, at basically at, at the end of that Detroit run, I guess there was, like, a big DC crossover called Legends, um, and and they all got kind of, you know, the crap kicked out of them, basically, and, like, you know, Steel and uh, and Vibe were casualties. So the mm-hmm. idea that, that they're, basically, it's kind of like they're kind of coming up against their old teammates. It'd kind of be like if Nova, Nova was flying around, you know, Rich Ryder, you know, during his heyday in the comic book, and then this Blackest Night thing went down, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, Namorita is like, you know, Bleh! yeah, we used to make out Rich, like, let <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> that's us That's basically kind of the main crux to those kind of things. And then I guess, yeah. uh, you know, after that, then they kind of reintroduce, you know, I guess, Robinson's, like, quote-unquote, like, you know, replacement league, you know, since it's not, you know, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, you know, it's, it's Donna Troy and Dick Grayson and, mm-hmm. you know, mon and some of these other guys with Kongorilla and Starman and Jesse Quick kind of filling in for the Flash and different things like that, Supergirl, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, like, the the Black Lander
2: stuff was cool, but it's like, the first issue I read is, like, OMG, how are we going to stop these guys? We're done. We're doomed. And then the next issue, like, Dr. Light gets naked and blows them all away. And that's not how the whole storyline resolves, but, I mean, that's pretty much the last of it in the JLA book. And then it kind of moved on to team building and whatnot. And, like, right now what I'm going through is Brightest Brightest Day, I think it is. Which, again, I assume is, like, extremely crossover heavy. So, like, I mean, the issues I'm reading I'm really enjoying. And, like, stuff, especially like the fight between like Power Girl and Supergirl. Yeah. like That was awesome. And, you know, obviously I love Mark Bagley's art, so that was really cool. And, you know, Mark Bagley is just, I don't know, a very uncluttered artist. It's always easy to follow his panels. But then, like, going to issue and ish- issue to issue, the story was so hard to follow. Like, I had to, like, change gears every issue, but um, I enjoyed the Seems part. Like of- I, I <laughs> know,
1: like, sometimes he doesn't, like, in a lot of those early issues, they're not Sequential too, so I suppose I could understand. Yeah, there why. was a lot of jumping you know, around, you know, and like, it's like there's a lot of like storytelling tools where he'll be like, you know, you'll you'll start out the beginning of the comic in the most exciting part where you know, uh-huh. you know, Supergirl's punching the shit out of Power Girl, and then by the middle of it, it'll be like, oh, you know, remember 24 hours earlier, like what happened yep. last issue? This is how we. Got to that exciting point and type thing, and so you know I, I could see why you know you, you know somebody who isn't as familiar with the characters or even just you know is reading it might might want to you know do a double take on it or something.
2: Yeah, that wasn't too bad, but uh, kind of a similar instance to that that did kind of torque me off was like Red Tornado getting rebuilt by Cyborg because it, it's like it was almost like a backup story at the end of the issue. Yeah. None of, the, none of the stories to that point had the backups, and then like the first issue that did that is like a different artist, and I think the first issue starts off with them fighting. And I was like, you know, what the hell is this? You know, like Red Tornadoes should still be all disassembled and stuff, and right. like he's fighting Cyborg. And then I I didn't I skipped that thinking like it was completely unrelated, and then the next issue it went a little bit further back in the past where like Red Tornadoes at Cyborg's lab. And he's, like, trying to rebuild them. I'm like, oh, crap, I should go back and reread that. It's just out of <laughs> order. So I don't know. That confused me at first, but eventually I got the hang of it.
1: Oh no, that's cool. I'm I'm, I'm kind of I I I hope you read like some of the other stuff too because I I really like. I know you said you were just getting to issue fifty, but that's where like mm-hmm. they fight like the Crime Syndicate of America and stuff. Like I I, I really I think those issues like like fifty to fifty four. Like I really really like that story. So yeah, uh, hopefully I, you'll I really go like, like that
2: it so far. You know, and the Mark Bagley art's great. I love seeing him draw DC characters just because it's so new for me. And, like, you know, everyone complains about the Mark Bagley face, like, being recycled all the time. And I think either the inkers are doing a better job, or he is, because I didn't recognize too many people. But, like, the only one that stood out is there's, like, one panel where, like, Black Canary is Gwen Stacy from, like, Ultimate Spider-Man. But, like, other than that, like, I had a hard time noticing
1: well, was funny when you when you because I know uh, you were you were sending me emails last night and you're like, who's this Terax looking dude? You know, <laughs> and I had to and I had to send you like the wiki on uh, uh, Josiah, Josiah Power, Parker. you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And then uh, the, the, what I told Brian, though, was I was like, oh, you know, like Sebastian Faust kind of reminded me of Peter Parker, like a stock Peter Parker face like I think when I read it sometimes and stuff like that so sometimes but um, I, I mean I know I know, yeah I know that Brightest Day stuff is kind of crossover heavy I, I thought maybe you know Justin would be happy that you'd get exposed to some more uh, Justice Society people as well at least as they were yeah. you know sort of they, back uh, in the day
0: they have a big crossover with the JSA like I think during that Eclipse, arc and then later on, there's some stuff with like um, the Golden Age Green Lantern, like where he's like crazy on the moon with his whole other kingdom. Like, yeah. that's crossover heavy too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's like th- what's going on right now. Like, wow, yeah, okay, at. yeah, that no. that might not make a whole lot of sense unless you read all the JSA stuff that goes along with it.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> is, I, I is basically,
2: like the primary book JLA crosses over with. Uh,
1: usually, like like the tradition is they usually. Like, back in the old days, like the Silver Age days, like, the way they would always... The reason why it's called Crisis on Infinite Earths is because the old-school JLA-JSA crossovers. So, like, it'd be, like, once a year, you know, the Earth-1 JLA would meet up with the Earth-2 JSA. So, like, that became, like, so popular, it became, like, a yearly thing. So, if you basically, like... There are all these trade paperbacks that I think are called, like... Crisis on uh, Multiple Earths or something yeah. like that, yeah. and so they have all these different volumes, and they basically collect all those old team ups, which basically usually took place in Justice League of America because there was no Justice Society of America book, but in a lot of the more modern day crossovers like this, for instance, like that's why I included those um, uh, JSA books as part of that. Like I, I, I forget what the, the arc is, but it's like a five issue you know, story arc or whatever for the brightest day type stuff. And so it goes from like, you know, I know it goes JLA, JSA, JLA, JSA, JLA, or however it goes down. It's like five parts or something, The you know, the Starheart crossover or whatever you want to call it. Um, But, yeah, like normally, you know, whether it's in like a graphic novel or, you know, some kind of crossover setting, usually like the JLA, JSA crossovers are kind of like an annual you know, like, hey, let's get these guys together. Like, I would not be surprised at some point if they decided to do a, you know, for the New 52, they decided to do, like, an Earth 2, you know, Jeff Johns Justice League crossover, you know, like, where the two car- you know, two teams meet and fight some bad guys or something like that.
2: I have a question for you, Derek. Um, sure. Like, um, ongoing throughout most of these issues, there's kind of, like, a underlying thread of, like, this weird, like, alien device that they found, you know, as it, like, as it, been, had, as it had been rediscovered through the ages and stuff, but then, recently, that whole story seems to have been eclipsed by this, um, Brightest Day thing. Yeah, so like, that, that story I think, get I, like, dissolved somewhere else, or what?
1: Yeah, like, you'll, you know how, like, you, you came across the, sort of, um, I'd say the the crime syndicate version of the New Gods, like, you're asking me about Doctor Impossible and all those yeah, guys? Yeah like that he, to me it seems like he was writing that story and then they probably their editorial was like hey we got to do some some black night, brightest day shit like do this real <laughs> quick first and he's like oh, okay sure that sounds cool and so he wrote all that stuff but w- once you get to the crime syndicate stuff from 50 to 54 like all that oh. stuff will be tied up in there so okay so yeah, I, I, gonna... I i i know i know that's also kind of i guess that's just the nature of you know people bitching and moaning about, you know, how Mike always says, you know, this book was great until a crossover interrupted it or whatever. My favorite book was was awesome until your stupid crossover messed it up or whatever. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I'm just going to say that I, I like that incarnation, like what Brian's reading. I like that better than the New 52 stuff, like. I know people are like all crazy because it's like Jeff Johns and you know Jim Lee, but like I would rather read you know three more years of uh, James Robinson and Mark Bagley than like another like issue or two of uh, Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. Like that's how much I like that. I actually like that whole volume. Yeah, you know, it starts out with Brad Meltzer, and I know you know some of us don't like him, but like I liked it because it was real <laughs> Red Tornado heavy, and I like Red Tornado. And then it goes into some cool like. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie stories, and yeah. I, and I, I was a
1: little. I think. I think the way I read that, I'm not. I'm not super Brad Meltzer guy or anything. You know, I don't like identity crisis or any of that stuff. Um, but but once they got into the Dwayne McDuffie stuff, and then it transitioned over into James Robinson. Like, I I enjoyed. I mean, I was reading that book month to month as it was. So, I mean, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed. You know those arcs and stuff like that.
3: So. Hey, was it was it Meltzer or McDuffie who added Vixen to the team? Um, i want to say
0: it was Meltzer. Yeah, cuz she, okay, she started out like in the first like handful of
3: issues. I I was just kind of like I remember looking at some of those covers when McDuffie was writing the book and I was like, "Hey, John Stewart talk a girl, Vixen. I was like, what's he doing here? This isn't a cartoon, you know." <laughs>
1: Well, like, it seemed like, like, I think, I think a lot of people were freaked out during the Dwayne McDuffie thing, because it was like, they were looking at solicitations, and they saw, you know, like, Icon, and Vixen, and Jon Stewart, and everybody's like, hey, you know, but it's like, you know, there there was other stuff going on in that book, too. I mean, I was, I was excited to see all the, the Milestone characters as it was, I, I would have wished that they were part of a, a separate Earth, like, you know, Earth, you know, you know, Earth Eye. Yeah, Earth-17 or, you know, whatever it was, you know, like some other Earth, instead of, like, incorporated into the the DC proper, but, you know, like, I I still enjoyed, you know, to me, like, I liked seeing the scene where, like, you know, Icon and Superman, you know, while everybody else is fighting with each other, they're just kind of chatting, like, in space or whatever, like, I thought that was kind of cool.
3: I nominate Icon for League membership. Why? Because you suspect Icon might be Kryptonian like you did with Captain Marvel? You thought I was Kryptonian?
1: cool i i think it's good stuff like i i haven't been a big fan of the new 52 uh justice league but yeah i'll agree with justin like i i liked reading the the robinson stuff mostly because like i you know me like i i i do all the history of comics on film videos and i remember kind of reading all of robinson's backup uh i guess he wrote all these little editorials in cry for justice and uh you know it was like right like maybe a couple weeks after I finished doing a video about Congo Bill, he had written this whole article about Congo Bill and Congorilla and everything, and I had just did a video about the same thing. So I was like, "Oh, this guy's awesome! Like he totally knows his shit. Like he's he's really on the ball." And you know, it just it, that stuff just to me it, it feels good. Like so, it's like I know, like I I know this was kind of throwing Brian into you know it's like into the deep end of the pool, like crash course in, in DC stuff, and he might mm-hmm. not you know, get everything the first time he reads it or anything like that. But to me, I was like, it was between this or Trinity for, like, Mark Bagley stuff, and I'm like, fuck Trinity, like, he, he's got to read this <laughs> stuff, so, you know. But. Yeah,
2: I figured you probably clued in on, like, Mark Bagley as one of the reasons you recommended this book for me. But um, I, one of the reasons I'm actually enjoying it besides that is like, is that I really enjoy, like, team-building books, I mean, that's why I like New Warriors and Avengers Academy. I like new teams coming together and, like, you know, learning how to play well with one another. So with people like Donna Troy and Dick Grayson as Batman in this one, it's kind of at that point right now. So even though you may not have realized it, I mean, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it.
1: Cool. Yeah. No, that's great.
2: All right. Well, the the um, victim I had was our unfortunate Justin. But I tried to be super nice to him and give him a book that I absolutely love. It's probably, honestly, like, uh, probably the funniest comic book I've ever read, and I reread it, like, you know, pretty often just because I enjoy it so much. But um, the the book I chose for him was Great Lakes Avengers Misassembled.
0: Before this, I would probably only read, like, one or two, like, Great Lakes Avengers books. Like, I remember the – when they get started, like, Thunderbolts, like, way, way back in the day. Like, I, I kind of remember that, but I don't think I'd ever read, like, any of their appearances in, like, uh, West Coast Avengers or anything, but – I actually enjoyed this. Like it it's kinda weird. It's like, you know, each issue has like a an introduction from Squirrel Girl and Monkey Monkey Joe, like one of her squirrels. Mm-hmm. And um they have like all these little things where they're like, Hey kids, you know, don't do what you know Mr. Immortal does on page seven, you know, like don't shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> <clears throat> but, but then they also say stuff like, you know, uh they have like kinda like uh the you know, like a monologue where they're like, you know, remember when comics were fun and like people read comics to like escape from deep stuff and you know, it's like Big Bertha's talking about like you know, like women's live in comics and like all this other stuff. Like that some of that stuff was pretty interesting, but then you (laughs) read the story and it's all it is kinda like that. It's kinda like dark and funny. It's like half the team gets killed in like all these kind of weird ways, like Yeah. You got this character, the grasshopper. I was like, oh, he's kind of like he kind of looks like he might he might be like a fun character, you know. And then like he immediately gets killed as soon as he joins the team, like <laughs> five point <laughs> three five seconds later. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, uh, I I just wanted to say since we had already talked about Brad Meltzer, like to me it's kind of like a direct commentary on identity crisis like to me it seems like everybody who got their butt hurt like me or whatever over identity crisis like you can read this and just laugh your ass off because while it is like you know they do have these dark moments it's it's more of a uh you know black comedy type thing where they're 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 poking fun at like how heavy the subject matter is. And that's why, you know, when the guy gets hit with a, a a sigh in the head after doorman, you know, goes intangible or whatever, it's not like this big, like, Oh my God, like you killed my favorite character. It's more like, you know, a wah ha ha moment, even though it's, you know, Terribly violent and involves the death of somebody because you're like, what, who's this guy Grass Grasshopper? Like what? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and then you're like, you're like, oh well, okay, so they're going to recruit this guy because he's, oh okay, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh he's dead, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, that that's why you're just kind of like, oh this is like, you know, totally ragging on, you know, to me it, it's it's ragging on the whole you know identity crisis stuff.
3: Yeah, I like. What about like when they like they the guy like mutilates and burns like Squirrel Girl's Squirrel, and she's like like so distraught yeah, yeah. and
0: stuff. Like my my two favorite uh, moments was like there's one where they're doing interviews and they interview like <laughs> it feels like half the Marvel Universe, you know, like Wolverine and Spider Man and all these other guys, and then they're interviewing um Living Lightning, and you know I think it's like. Uh, I can't remember who it was interviewing, him, but he's like, you know, when you do you want to join the, the oh, yeah. GLA, the Great Lakes Avengers, and you know, he just says the GLA, but Living Light and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll join you, the you know Gay and Lesbian Alliance. He's <laughs> like, wait, no. <laughs> it did uh, like my other favorite scene. This is probably my favorite one where it's like they're fighting like you know Batroc the Leaper and a bunch of his like goons and stuff, and then they get into like the the final you know battle for like you know the fate of the world and all this stuff and. You know, Matrock's like, Wait, do not de- destroys the world? <laughs> How else will I spend all my money? <laughs> I like that. But uh yeah, this is a good pig. I I really enjoyed this. Like it even though it was kinda dark, you know, I had I guess it had some nice little like kinda like Greek chorus uh commentaries at the beginning of each issue that I appreciated and it was really good. I liked it.
3: I like, yeah. I like I liked when they they ran, run into uh the swordsman or well like the Andreas <laughs> yeah. von Strucker swordsman and they're like, you know, come join our team, Hawkeye and they're like, What? And he's like, I've read it on the internet, you're Hawkeye and he was like, No, I'm not
1: I like I yeah. like how when they when they all go and play cards with like all the dead people and stuff and mockingbirds there and she's like, Yeah, I heard it's Hawkeye too, you know, <laughs> whatever.
2: <laughs> I was gonna ask you guys all your favorite uh moments. And uh, I, I thought Justin might touch on this, but my actually favorite moment was, um, I think Flatman and Dor- Doorman are, like, arguing or something about, like, uh, gays being into S&M. And Flat- Flatman just comes out and he's like, okay, you want me to see it? All right, I'm gay. And then, like, immediately, like, the next panel... Um, Mr. Immortal's been talking to Death Urge, and he's like, guess what, guys? I just found out I'm homo superior, or superior. And then, like, Batman's like, always got to one-up me, don't you? So, I don't know. That was my, probably my biggest laugh-out-loud moment from
0: the book.
1: Yeah, that is pretty damn funny.
0: I, I also like the resolution to, like, you know, the saving the universe thing where it's like, Mr. Immortal is talking to Maelstrom, and it's like, you know, they kinda like do a suicide pack thing and you know Mr. Immortals like, I'll go first and he shoots himself and Maelstrom's like, oh, okay and he blasts himself in the head and then Mr. Immortals, you know, comes back and he's kinda like, Oh ha ha Yeah.
2: I don't know. I like reading this book I was really impressed with how well balanced like the dark sides were with like the funny sides. And, you know, it's weird because like like I said, this is probably one of the funniest comics I've ever read which would think you'd give hope for, like, Dan Slott writing Amazing Spider-Man. But, like, I've just not liked his Amazing Spider-Man so much. It's, like, it's weird how much I like this book and how little I like the other. I mean, I guess maybe he had more free free reign to do whatever he wanted because, you know, it's the Great Lakes Avengers, who cares? And maybe he kind of has a tighter leash on Amazing Spider-Man. But I don't know. This is This is definitely one of my favorite funny comics.
0: Yeah, I liked his run on She-Hulk a lot, too, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's hilarious, and you would think that, you know, he could at least make Spider-Man but
1: a little
3: stuff. I think Dan Slott's going all Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> you, He's gotten something, you know.
1: Is, uh, I'm just curious, like, is, is uh, Paul Pelute like, uh, an artist that you really dig? Like, because I've always thought he He has like a really good line, it kind of reminded me of like guys like Alan Davis and stuff like that. like I've always thought he was a a cool artist, yeah, but.
2: actually, I like Alan Davis, and I think Paul did a lot of like exile's work that I liked oh so,
1: okay. yeah,
2: I, I thought the art on this book was pretty fantastic
1: was there was there anything else that you uh want to add justin
0: um I like the fact that they kept pointing out that uh Squirrel Girl defeated Doctor Doom, and it wasn't a Doombot or <laughs> yeah. an alternate you know, Doctor Doom. Like
3: to defeat Doctor Doom, you'll need one of the most powerful heroes in the Marvel Universe. Play as Squirrel Girl for the first time ever.
1: The menace is unbeatable. She is not. It seems like he always likes doing that with with all these stories where, you know, he'll do it like where Thanos is like, you know, turned over on his backside and Squirrel Girl's got her foot up on his back. And it's like, that's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a Doombot. It's not a robot, you know.
3: LMD like, the, like the, the watchers right there yeah, and the watchers yeah. like I can confirm with my cosmic <laughs> yeah, senses yeah, like yeah that just, this is not basically like like yeah.
1: it, you know you know it's funny like to me like it's like I I love Thanos and stuff I don't exactly feel the same way about Dr. Doom so I don't get grumpy about it you know but I could see myself getting grumpy about Thanos but like you know what makes me laugh about that stuff what I wish they do it's like it's like I know this is totally random but uh you know on on I watched that one, uh, swastcast or whatever, and you could tell the one guy that hosts that, like, John Cimino, like, he loves the Incredible Hulk, like, the Savage Hulk. Like, he hates Peter David's run, but he's, like, this big Hulk fanboy, and everything's all about the Hulk. Like, I just wish, like, Squirrel Girl would defeat that Hulk, and, like, they do the same exact thing like for somebody like that because you, like, you can just see like the guy's head like exploding when somebody like wrote that on like canon paper where you're like what? like what are you doing? you know so that kind of makes me laugh so but, yeah
0: well moving along uh, my victim was Mike and for him I picked the 2008 miniseries Patsy Walker Hellcat I hate you so much <laughs> <laughs> See this this is the trap, Mike, that you fell into because you're like, I don't hate Hellcat, but then aha, tell me your thoughts on this uh mini series.
3: See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this mini series. <laughs> it was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real.
1: What's, what, I don't get it though. He didn't make you read Marvel Divas. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's true. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. But no, no. In all, in all, in all fairness, I didn't think it was terrible or anything. It, it wasn't really for me though. Like, uh, I mean, I, I thought the art was good, and like, I don't know, the story was. I kind of. Um, I kind of fall on like Derek's side of like magic, ew, like, and this this had like a lot of crazy blue cupcakey magic stuff in it, and uh, I I don't know it just it, it like I mean there were parts of it that were funny and like amusing and you know but like secretly I was it was like in my head that like Iron Man just sent Hellcat to Alaska because because he hoped she'd die up there. Or something. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> It's like just just the way he's like you know he's like Alaska needs like you know superhero representation you go hellcat you know <laughs> and she's like she's like who's on the team is it beast oh, I love beast and he was like no it's just you hi <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was just just some weird-ass shit. Like, I couldn't even, like, follow all the friggin', like, mystical animals that were following her, and, like, I don't know, the Eskimos, or whatever the hell they were, the Inuits, (laughs) or, like, witches, or something. And there's a big stone face that's actually this girl's father, and (laughs) then there's a Yeti, and I don't know what the hell.
0: It is kind of... uh... Like what I would describe it as manic. It's not like manic, like manic crazy, like you know, Morris's Doom Patrol, but it is kind of like weird and you know, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of goofy.
1: I guess oh, it's very, it's very off kilter. You know, I mean, yeah. from from the mainstream type stuff. You know, like you know, but, but I guess the, you know, you can you can tell that just by you know all the kind of like crazy stuff that that Mike has described there. You know, that that's what I would. Like,
3: can't even tell you how those things like link together but it's like, you know, I uh I I don't know. But I mean there were a couple parts I kinda giggled at, like, species. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> yeah, at least it's at like, least
1: at least uh, Hellcat knows what is up.
3: Like she knows the yeah, difference knows between the a difference.
1: racist and a species.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, even like at the very end where she's like, uh, like Iron Man's like, "What the hell happened to you there?" And she was like, "She's like, you know, it was magic." I know what you're gonna say, "Magic, ah, nuts," nice. you know. Like, but the stuff like that was kind of funny to me. But yeah, I, I was kind of, and I liked the art too. Um, I, I can't, even, I should have looked it up again. Uh, do you remember the artist's name? No, I don't remember. I just
0: know that uh, Catherine Amonin was the writer and like. My- I don't think I've read very many of her comics. Like, I know she did stuff with, like, The Runaways. And she did another miniseries called Heralds, where Hellcat was part of that. And it had something to do with um, Nova, like the, you know, Silver Surfer, Cosmic Nova. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I I remember uh,
1: The artist was David uh, Lafuente.
3: Okay, yeah, because he he did some Ultimate Spider-Man, too, like, towards the end of that book that I I thought was pretty good art. So, like, yeah, I, I dug the art.
1: Um, Justin, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this or not, but can I ask you like a, uh, sort of history question? All right. Um, I'm just curious, like at what point did, did Patsy Walker get like magic powers? Like, is that cause she married Damien Hellstrom or like, was that even after that? Like, I, cause I, like in this, it's like, I, I don't know. The only thing I can remember is like when she hung out with beast and the Avengers and there was like a cat suit and the cat suit had like powers, you know, yeah. but. Yeah. I never remember, you know, like kind of in 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 the sense of this, it was like all kind of magic based, where she could kind of sense these animal totems, and she could see magic. Basically, was her magic superpower, and I was like, well, w- when did that exactly I, like go I down? I think
0: it. I think it was when she came back from the dead, like in that Thunderbolt Samuel. Like I think. Okay. I think maybe after that. Like I'm. I'm not sure myself.
1: Because she... See, that's the other thing. Was that in, like, that Warren Ellis Hellstrom series where she died? Like... Yeah. Is that... Okay. Well, wait.
0: Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, she did yeah, die. Yeah, and Because she was, like, and all crazy, and then she finally died. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, and obviously I know where she came back because being the Thunderbolts fan that I am, so... I,
0: I always wanted to ask you, like... Like, I remember getting that annual and thinking Mockingbird was coming back. Like, were you disappointed when it turned out to be hell- Hellcat? Yes.
3: I was <laughs> like, <"Yeah." laughs>
0: well,
3: I guess in retrospect now, it's like Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts went to hell to go rescue a Skrull, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I was kind of like, wait a minute, you know, wait, wh- I thought Mockingbird was going to come back. No, what is this? See, I was like, her- I was like, like, Hawkeye, like, unwraps, like, the mummy, <laughs> and it's like Patsy Walker, and he, like, keeps, starts wrapping her up again, <laughs> and he was like, send it back! <laughs> See, I read that, and I was like, it's not Mockingbird? I was like, oh, that's still cool, I like Hellcat, yeah.
0: I was like, maybe she'll be a Thunderbolt now, and she wasn't. She just went away for it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, well. No, but in all seriousness, like, I, I never had a big problem with Hellcat. <laughs> right? But then I just made that comment, and Justin was like, what do you have against Hellcat? And we were like, nothing. And he was like, oh, Mike hates Hellcat. And now I really hate Hellcat. You are being intransigent. I, I, think,
1: I think next we have to make him read uh, Marvel Divas. Like, if he's going <laughs> to take that stance, right?
0: <laughs> I don't know if I would wish that upon you, Mike. Like Not even yeah, like,
1: like a joke. You you have to be really vindictive to make somebody read Marvel divas.
3: I mean, and like I like Firestar. I like she's a redhead, and like I like I what do you call it? I, I I like Firestar, but somehow I hate Hellcat. <laughs> and Hellcat has like a similar costume and is a redhead too. You know
1: what I liked? You, you know, in in Hellcat's defense. Like, I, I'm going to stick up for Hellcat when uh, the the previous miniseries, the one that Norm Brayfogle did the art for, where her costume was kind of inverted and she had that, like, black, you know, armor costume or whatever. Like, I really dug that miniseries because it's, like, her and then all these different demonic personas from Marvel's version of Hell. Like, I thought that was really cool because it, like, it sort of made sense to me. You know, Hellcat and she's dealing with the forces of Hell, you know, like, I, I don't know, it was pretty straightforward, but I enjoyed it.
3: I'll take straightforward. <laughs>
1: I don't think oh, there, were, there weren't a bunch of you know Inuit witches who you know turned their 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 one uh, husband into like a crazy wacky wheel or whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, there weren't
1: no. uh, what was it like the guy who's like a yeti who's like going out with the little girl and stuff like you know there wasn't all that kind of stuff. So so do we want to move on to um, to what is awesome in our world this week? Yes, I'm all well
0: set. If you are, Justin. I just want to say you're a duty head, and I you know, like. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm
0: not saying you're wrong, but you're totally wrong.
3: <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was joking with you earlier. I was like, okay, when when we write our Avengers book, I'll allow Hellcat, but Stingray has to have a British accent. <laughs>
0: As he should. And then just to make just to make Derek mad, he can marry a dolphin. I see. Well, and he can should, he can sex
3: it. it. Oh god. He I can imperial no.
1: sex it. No. Leave Stingray alone.
2: I just so. caught what you did, Justin. That was excellent. I'm stealing that.
1: <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Yeah, that was that was from a rather horrible run of Uncanny X Men, but hey. <laughs>
0: Says Derek.
1: Yeah, what, just because I don't like Namor, like French kissing a fucking lobster woman? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's what's not awesome. But we're going to talk about what's awesome. So, uh, hey, uh, Mike, what is awesome in your world this week?
3: Um, I'd just like to give a shout-out to uh, Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number 11, which was the conclusion of the three-part Shadowplay story, which uh, it came out a couple weeks ago, but like by the time this... Uh, Podcast ears, the trade will probably be out, but man, what a freaking great, like, twist shocker ending, like, I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but, like, I love this book, like, this is, like, an ideal Transformers book for me, so, like, man, like, uh, I physically, like, actually said, holy shit, like, out loud when I read it, so, yeah, great, great ending, and great, great ending to a great story, so. Yeah, I hope the IDW like doesn't like you know feel the need to shake things up again and like completely change the creative teams again because they've got a good thing going right now.
1: Cool, cool. Uh, Justin, what's on tap for awesome thing of the week for you?
0: Um, I recently started watching the uh, Cartoon Network series Adventure Time. This has been on for I think like I think it's in its fifth season now. And it's one of those shows, like, I hear, like, people talking about, and you see, like, you know, merchandise for it everywhere. So I put it, you know, on my list of things to watch, and I finally sat down and watched it, and I just had, like, a huge marathon where I watched, like, episodes back-to-back, and I think it's a really great show. It has, like, a really, uh, it's one of those shows where it's, like, little kids can watch it, and they think it's funny, but there's also, like, you know... Some subtle jokes for like adults, and there's some not so subtle stuff. You're kind of like, well, how did they get away with that? <laughs> like,
3: yeah, the the thing I saw the thing with the tires. Like, do not do tire like thirteen or whatever when he's like talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I he's like distru- discru- going out on a date with a girl, and he's like, <laughs> you know, tire two is like kissing her, and it goes all the way up to tire thirteen, and like the kids like, what's tire thirteen? And it do not do tire thirteen yeah but uh it's
0: a really good show. Um, like i I would recommend it to like you know you guys you might you guys would probably get a kick out of it, but I don't know maybe Derek wouldn't because he's kind of grumpy sometimes. <laughs> but no I, saw, it's,
1: I it's, saw that you were reading the uh, the comics too, so I was just going to ask, yeah. like are are those just as cool or like adventure Time those? comics?
0: Yeah, um, I've read the first nine issues, and they're pretty good, too, like um I think the first four issues has a story involving the Lich who is like kind of a, a big bad for the adventure time universe. And it was pretty good. They kinda it ties into the episodes pretty well. And then after that they had this big time travel story where they like uh there's like a Game Boy kind of character called Bemo, like he creates a bunch of robots and they accidentally take over the land of Ooh, where which is like where they live. So like Jake and Finn go to the future and have to like Defeat all these robots and then go back in time. And they even have like kind of a little, uh, kind of a retcon reference to like the pilot because Adventure Time was like a pilot, and I think it came on Nickelodeon originally, just like a, you know, like a ten-minute pilot. And the character Finn was called Pin, and they even like refer to it because like Jake the dog's like, "Hey, this is like way long time ago, like when you were into pins and you had everybody call you Pin." Uh... <laughs>
3: That's cool. Yeah, that that and like regular show, like I keep meaning to watch like stuff those because they both look like up my alley, but I never get a chance to. Yeah. I, I
1: watched a couple episodes of regular show because somebody asked me to, and you know, I mean, it was it was what it was. It didn't, I, I guess, it didn't wow me enough to continue watching it. But I watched the a couple episodes. I did watch. You know, I was an Adventure
2: Time addict until I started watching Regular Show, and now I can't stop watching Regular Show. It's pretty funny. Hmm. Did you see any episodes with Muscle Man, Derek? Uh,
1: I don't know. I can't okay. remember.
2: He's probably the funniest guy on there, but
1: yeah, he's cool. <laughs> the th-
3: the thing that cracked me up about regular show is that thing where like they did the 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 kid the guy the bird whatever he is or I don't know whatever whatever the guy is he's watching the commercial the strong Johns where it's like a toy commercial, and it's like, buy us now, you know, we're strong Johns. I don't know, that cracked me up.
1: So what about you, Brian? What is your uh, awesome thing for this week?
2: Um, I have two, but they're both pretty short. One, um, just on my own, I kind of been have, have been reading, like, the Acts of Vengeance omnibus. And, I don't know, for those who are on the fence of buying an omnibus, like, they're really expensive, but they're pretty awesome. It's like, you know, great stories reprinted and like super high quality, you know, papers nice, colors look amazing, whatever. So I've been reading that and um, probably my favorite point so far was like a Quasar issue where he goes up against Venom and he confronts, defeats, and captures Venom in, like, the span of three panels. And, I don't know, I just laughed awesome. out loud at that because it's awesome. Like as a, <laughs> I'm sure my, like, 12-year-old self, like, I'm glad I missed the issue because I, well, I probably would have been, like, super pissed that, you know, like, my my favorite villain, Venom, had been captured by this, you know, lame-tard Quasar dude that I hate. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, Quasar's grown on me as I've aged, and... It was just awesome to see him totally pwn Venom, I guess.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, the the other awesome thing this week was that I picked up the new Iron Man figure uh, from the latest Marvel Legends line. And I'll let you bigger comic book nerds tell me exactly what version of the armor it is. All I know it's, is I refer to it as like the 90s big boots armor. And I absolutely love it because like... You know, when I was reading, like, West Coast Avengers and stuff like that in the later issues, like, this was armor he had. And all the uh, Iron Man issues that are still up in my closet wait, waiting to be reread. I mean, this was the primary armor during that time. So, I don't know. It just looks awesome. And I've kind of made a little West Coast Avengers team out of what Marvel Legends figures I have. So, I've just really been enjoying the toy.
1: Yeah, that's the best to, so like you get enough guys where you can make like the whole team. I love that stuff like that. Yeah. That's a cool little uh display you got going there. And uh yeah, I yeah, think that. I think we we are, we covetched about this uh yeah. on another show, but I believe it's the Mach 8 armor technically.
3: So Yeah, it's it's the one he gets at the end of Armor Wars. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I saw the pictures you posted of it, Brian. That really does look like an awesome yeah. figure. Mm-hmm. Like Uh, That armor is not even, like, one of my favorites or anything, but I'm like, wow, that's, like, a great, like, you know, representation of it. Yeah, the figure looks terrific,
1: yeah. And, like,
2: it's kind of weird because I'd I'd had most of my Marvel Legends on the same uh, same shelf for, like, years, you know, like, because basically I filled up a shelf where, you know, I put the X-Men on one shelf, Avengers on the next shelf, whatever, and then I never really touched it unless I added someone to it. But then getting him and then deciding, hey, I want to make a wacko shelf. Like that was actually pretty fun. So I'm I'm glad I got him because it got some some more use out of some of my old toys too. It was just fun.
0: If only they'd make a mockingbird and a tigra Marvel Legends. I
2: hear you. They actually did make a tigra. Yeah, I was I was, was kind of like, one? holy
3: crap. Yeah, yeah, I had that. No, no, no. There was there was a Marvel Legends one like oh, really? Ryan, like yeah emailed me and I was like, holy crap, I. I and it was, like, it was the wave that, like, I never saw in stores. It was, like,
2: the Walmart exclusive wave had Black Bolt and Nova, which I had oh. to buy. But, yeah, I think it was pretty rare. I don't think uh, I ever saw those.
3: It was the Nemesis build a figure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, like, the wave I never, ever saw. Because if I did, I would have gotten, like, Tigra and, like, Beast and whoever else... Uh,
1: was that, what, Movie Beast or something? Or? No,
3: it was uh, Astonishing Beast. Oh, okay. but, see, Mike, you could
0: have bought him and he could be silently judging you right Yeah, I know. He, yeah, he could have been
3: silently be sil- <laughs> judging everyone. I
1: actually was going to say during the Hellcat miniseries, you know, when they go through that flashback, she's like, is Beast going to be there? Like, even in the flashback, I think he was silently judging everyone <laughs> in the entire story. Like, so, yeah. Of course. Yeah.
3: That's Beast's new thing now. Is whenever he's not talking, he's <laughs> silently judging you. Um,
1: uh, my thing's pretty short too, uh, uh, and it's a, it's a semi tie-in because uh, uh, we had been doing some awesome uh, fanhole sidecasts, and one of the sidecasts was on uh, Superior Defender Gundam Force, and uh, that kind of inspired me because I I only had the first six volumes, and they only really Bandai only released them as uh singles you know dvds and stuff and so uh, i was missing the last three volumes and uh just last week i i finally got volume nine and uh over since we had recorded that episode i had been trying to track down the last three volumes and uh so now i have a complete set so that's why that is my awesome thing of the week and uh if you want to know a little more about Superior Defender Gun Force. Go check out the Fanhole Sidecast about it. I, I used to love
0: watching that back when it was on Cartoon Network.
1: I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what it is. I enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like it's funny because you, you got the guys running around doing goofy stuff and I you know the the last episodes are usually the best because they get into a big fight it's like the Sazabi dude you know I forget what they call them it's like Lord Sazabi you know is like fighting uh, Captain Gundam and stuff and they, they have a big epic fight at the end so it's fun to
3: watch I think I'll just repeat I think what I said in the, uh, the side cast I was like I think this is what killed Gundam in the US
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were trying to inspire all the youth to get into it dude like what? What about what about that uh, thing you 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 posted in the board about them? Sony taking out Gundam movie and Gundam Net and Gundam whatever the fuck. Like maybe maybe we'll get a, a G Savior two sequel.
3: So <laughs> oh, geez, like, yeah,
1: you know, maybe something sweet will come our way. Um, anyway, so uh, that that will be the conclusion of uh, the Fanholes Comic Book Dare sidecast for this episode. Um, If you guys want to uh, check us out on uh, Facebook, you can. Uh, We have a Twitter feed. Uh, You can email us at fanholspodcast at com. We now have, drumroll, blah, 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 blah. We now have a Tumblr, so if you want to follow us on Tumblr, you can follow us on Tumblr. Even though Uh, we
0: don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, uh, like whatever that is. (laughs) Whatever that that is you can follow us on it. We uh you know, we've got sidecasts coming out. We've got uh you know, more blogs, uh, RPG blogs from our friend Boo, um little, you know, written sidecasts about different comics and things like that, um or side stories. And uh yeah, so uh, uh check all those out. Uh you know, leave us some feedback if you want. You can send us some emails. If you have an iTunes account, uh log into that bad boy. And uh, if you subscribe to us through iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars, because I said so. And, uh, yeah, so cool. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off.
2: Hey, this is Brian Breakdown.
3: It's Mike Thunderwing. This is
1: Justin
0: Hellcat. Peace. Hellcat stinks.
3: you needs the fist of the wind her <laughs> i can make a joke there but i'm not going to about you- this i'm, I'm reconsidering yeah, <laughs> that that comment